0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jordan Hill. Got the whole crew with me this week, Rusty Mansell and Kip Adams. A big week, obviously. We've got uh, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party waiting on us on Saturday. Uh, Start with you, Kip. Uh, How did that bye week treat you, get you a little bit of a break uh, from Georgia football there?
1: It's awkward, you know, it's awkward to wake up and, and not have the regular protocol we have for 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 our games and then to try to, uh, you know, uh, watch some other games. So we always kind of watch it with uh, the program we cover in mind. So we're watching these other teams, trying to get a feel for how they're playing. But I ain't complaining. Uh, watching college football on Saturday is uh, is what one of the things we love to do. So it was good. I'd like to say I got rested up in the bye week, but that is that is not true. Uh a little banged up in day to day as we head into Florida week. But you know, we'll we'll see if I if I'm able to, to be available this weekend or not. We'll probably know more about that on Friday. Big question are you really day-to-day or are you Kirby smart day to day? Two differences I'm, there. I'm feeling Kirby Smart day to day right oh. now. I'm I messed my calf up over the weekend, so I'm trying to let that thing heal. But uh mm. I'm feeling a little bit like uh A.D. Mitchell right now. I'm uh, I'm on that day-to-day that feels like it's going to go into November, December at this point.
0: We're hopeful to see Kip later on in the week. We're going to see how that looks. Rusty, I would be remiss not to throw it to you. And just tell us about the Hall of Fame, you know, get to see some of those pictures. Such a cool deal that you got to be a part of. Uh, Just what what was that whole experience like?
2: Crazy uh, to realize that that started in a phone call in February to what happened Saturday night, standing there with Herschel Walker, Champ Bailey, um, you know, Terrence Edwards, uh, Ray golf was there, got a chance to talk to him for a little while, uh, you know, just to hear those stories uh, from those people. And, uh, Matt Stinchcom, I think it was 15 Georgia players that went in, uh, Andy Johnson, you know, Buck Belue. it was really, really cool. Charlie Ward spoke for the class and I, I didn't, as we got going with this process, didn't really. Know the depth of those guys in the 40s and 50s, specifically the guys that played in the segregated schools. I mean, we we had so many of those guys go in, which was a, just a great experience to have their families there and those types of things. James Brooks, the one funny story I'll tell you, James Brooks played on the 1976 Warner Robins teams, played in NFL Super Bowl, Auburn, former Auburn great. And, you know, the historians say there's two teams in the state of Georgia. There's 1976 Valdosta, and there's 1971, 1976 Warner Robin, excuse me, and 1971 Valdosta, Stan Rome, and all those guys. And, you know, those two, they two absolutely mashed teams and crushed them. And I asked James Brooks, I said, look, you know, everybody says that the 76 Warner Robins the 71 Valdosta are the two best teams ever. He goes, without hesitation, he goes, we'd play them tomorrow. We'd play them right now. And, uh you know, I thought that was really cool to, to hear those guys, but, uh, you know, I heard Ron Simmons, who was a professional wrestler, you know, all American college football player, Florida state NFL too. and Just really talk about, he went into the college football hall of fame and he told me straight up that that ceremony had nothing on what we did Saturday night. So it was great. It was a great experience. And, uh, you know, I fangirled a little bit, you know, talking about, I got to put a coat on every single person, Richard Dent, Bill Curry, uh, Garrison Hurst, Andre Hastings, talked to Andre Hastings a long time. So man, it was it was a cool event to uh to attend. I look forward to uh you know that moving forward.
0: So cool to see. And, and kudos, Rusty, to you and everyone who was involved in getting that off the ground because it, it was, was long overdue.
2: Great. I didn't it's like Garrison Hurst said. He's like, I didn't because I was kind of pissed off because I didn't I wasn't in nothing in Georgia and I'm I'm thinking we didn't have one. He he didn't know we didn't have one either. So Champ Bailey talked about Coming from Charlton County, coming to there, you know, to the NFL and what high school meant to him. I thought Champ Bailey, you know, his, his question was the way he answered, you could tell uh that it meant something to him. And uh, you know, it's just really, really Champ Bailey is a is I hate he's just a polished dude. I mean, that's just all there's to him, I mean, one of the best NFL players ever, but man, super, super sharp off the field. And Charlie Ward, speaking for the class, I told that Charlie Ward, I mean, I hate to say this, but the guy looked like a high school chemistry teacher and I, it was hard it was hard for me to explain to the younger people there like this dude is the alpha i mean this guy played 11 years in the nba he won the heisman he won the national championship this guy was one of the best athletes of all time and he looked like your high school chemistry teacher but such a great person uh, just to meet and and uh, his his bio is incredible
0: well, let's uh, turn the focus uh, to Georgia this weekend, and let's talk about this uh, past uh, weekend. Georgia getting a big commitment—a four-star out of North Carolina, Chris Pill commits to Georgia. I'll start with you, Rusty. Just uh, what is Georgia getting in this commitment, and, and take us behind the scenes on what you know about Chris? You know, Georgia being able to land him.
2: Uh, defensive back Fran Brown, defensive back coach Fran Brown recruited him from Rutgers, met him while he was at mm-hmm. Rutgers, and evaluated him. So uh, you know, when he got to Georgia, I think the evaluation from Georgia was the same. So it worked for him because he already had his, you know, kind of foot in the door. And Will Muschamp, who was a lead recruiter for Georgia on him. I just think, you know, we listen, I've been on the ranking side of it. It's very hard to do in in, in in high school rankings, but I kind of know kind of what's going on in that in that room in there and where he was on the board for Georgia. And that's been a long, long time. You know, Kip knows. Kip and I were ready for him to commit in June. We had stuff ready to go. Thought it was going to happen right after his visit. And kudos to him because he stepped back a little bit and said, "Let me take all my visits and see where I am." A lot of kids rush into decisions. Kind of credit to Chris Peel and his mom for 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 that. You know, kind of backing off, not rushing a decision. But it's been Georgia. I mean, you whatever you want to read, it's been Georgia. And who could knock him off? NC State tried hard. South Carolina, Michigan. All those schools try to kind of get him. But at the end of the day, it's been Georgia. They got him, did a really good job. He is he is a guy that they coveted, not only because of what he does on the field, but what type of person he is and what they think he can fit into their culture.
0: It's crazy watching and seeing uh, the stats. I try to keep up with the stats each week. And, oh, my God, Chris Pill is doing a little bit of everything for Providence Day. He is a yeah. very productive player.
2: Rarely talks, rarely does media. You know, not a big social media guy. Just. Hey, I'm going to pop up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit next week. If you guys want to come, you can come. And it kind of tells you where his focus is. And it's on Friday nights playing for his team.
0: Kip, Chris is the latest and what's a pretty deep class as far as the secondary for Georgia. Just what do you think about what this class looks like and, you know, sort of where Chris fits in with the rest of these guys?
1: They're stacking that secondary right now. I mean, we talked about last year's secondary classes just being on paper maybe the deepest we'd ever seen uh, you know when you have a guy like malachi starks we're seeing him making an impact immediately for georgia jaheen singletary you know earning some snaps dalen everett as well and then you also got guys like julian humphrey and then you have marcus Wash- washington reclassify as well that was a very deep uh db group andrew Corey thomas from from orlando high school a talented safety as well it was a deep secondary class last year and so you you know, Fran Brown, uh, the standard is really high for him to come in in his first cycle at Georgia, a guy that, you know, a lot of people, you know, didn't really know about coming out of Rutgers. And so you, you look at this group, he already got a five-star on board and A.J. Harris uh, at a Central High School in Phoenix City. Joel Aguero might as well be a f- five-star, definitely a five-star for Georgia on their board, just another you know, elite safety that you can potentially pair with, with Malachi Starks in the back end there, and, and give you a couple of elite playmakers out there. But then you, again, you, you still look at the depth in this class when you bring in guys like Daniel Harris and Justin Rett, and, and then you add a guy like Chris Peel to that. Who, you know, there are some Malachi Starks traits when you when you look at what he does in high school, just the the amount of plays he makes offensively, uh, you know, and the, the the his natural playmaking ability is pretty you know recognizable on film and then you look and see he's over 44 foot triple jump you know a guy that's uh 10 100 meter uh sub 22 200 meter so he's got that track profile as well not trying to compare him to malachi starks he's obviously a different player probably closer to a kamari laster type player but you know we saw kamari laster make an instant impact uh, for georgia as a freshman on a national championship team and a, a guy that again that I didn't even bring up in that DB group from, from last year. But again, guys that can come in and make an instant impact for for George in the secondary. Chris peels is just one of those guys he added to this group, and he's a guy that could potentially come in and, and help you in that secondary, regardless of how deep it is. But my goodness, how deep that secondary looks right now. And this looks like a group that you know, you, you you build this kind of depth to be able to uh, handle, you know, any potential attrition as well. Not all these guys are going to be able to see the field, but you want to stack that talent out there. And I think that's exactly what Fran Brown has done in his first year. And it, it's an impressive group. I think it's, again, just a credit to not just Fran Brown, but it also Will Muschamp obviously playing a role there and, and coaching the safeties and being the, co-de- the defensive coordinator. Recruits know him. They, they trust him. And I think it's kind of paying off for Kirby Smart just to kind of staff he's building to continue to be able to recruit elite defensive talent to this class. And right now they have the number two class in the country. And I don't see that really changing anytime soon. May not be done in the secondary.
2: Let me give you a little hint there. May not be done secondary in the 2023 class. Just tuck that one
0: away. Just just dropping them, just very subtly, just dropping those little notes in there. Mm -hmm. Appreciate that, Rusty. Uh, Let's talk. We talked at the top about us taking advantage of the bye week, but obviously, this was really big and I think a really crucial time for Georgia to have that bye week. You know, we had a chance to talk to Stetson Bennett yesterday, and he really harped on taking advantage of getting better, the opportunity to improve, and the little things. You know, the games where Georgia really struggled on offense. Stetson and some of the other players when we talked to him afterwards you know Kent State really Missouri specifically and they talked about just missing on the little things and I was really struck by what Stetson had to say you know he said that it was really player driven during the bye week as far as finding those things that needed improvement you know being self-critical being able to take criticism and understanding ways to get better you know I think that this week as far as the timing specifically you know we usually see that bye week before the Florida game in Jacksonville. Um, But I think it works out so well for Georgia, not only to get these guys healthy, but as a chance for guys like Stetson, especially those veterans like Stetson who have been here before and understand, you know, really what is coming ahead, you know, the type of games that are coming up, um, to kind of self-evaluate, kind of take that step back and improve. I'll be very interested to see what they look like against Florida, really the offense specifically to see if we see them kind of get, you know, a, a little bit sharper and, and seeing, even if they don't have A.D. Mitchell, what they're able to do. Uh, I'll start with you, Kip. Just what do you feel like the value was in this bye week coming when it did, not only for getting trying to get guys healthy like Jalen Carter, A.D. Mitchell, some of those guys, um, but also for the chance to kind of take a step back and, and try to improve And what's going to be a pretty challenging final five games of the regular season?
1: If you're going to have any guys step up and make a move as far as snaps or if you're going to try anything different for the second half of the season this is definitely the week to do that so for younger guys for branson and robinson of so guys like dylan bell you know just a, a, across the depth chart for these younger guys to potentially try and make a move and and you know earn the trust of this coaching staff and their teammates uh, that that's a huge value of the bye week you know this is kind of just uh, that extended camp where they can come out there early on when they're trying to you know install some things for later this year and, and show that they're going to be able to run this place and, and to know exactly what they need to do on the field so i think that's huge i mean getting healthy is an aspect of it but you can you can you can get banged up during practice it's not like kirby smarts practices are you know are considered uh you know easy he doesn't go easy on these guys if he's going to tell the media And he wants his players to say that, you know, we play our toughest opponent in practice. And that's going to include these guys, you know, going at it. And so I think uh, that aspect of the bye week, I mean, we could have new injuries that we don't know about. And they take the field in Jacksonville and there's some guys that aren't playing. So I I think, yeah, you you want to heal up as best you can, but I don't. A lot of injuries don't really happen in the game they happen in practice so you never really know what's going to happen in that aspect but just as far as guys making moves and, and trying new things you know if they have some new looks to potentially try to you know help out the pass rush then this is definitely the week to do that and so i i think that's huge for this for this team as they try to you know get to atlanta and get back to the college football playoffs there are some things that they definitely need to work on and i think uh whether that's getting to the quarterback or trying to find someone who could stretch the defense vertically in the passing game. uh, That's an aspect that they're probably having open tryouts. Like, guys, you can step up right now and and make some plays when we need them to.
2: For me, it's refreshing. I mean, these players, it's such a grind. Coaches, I follow several coaches on social media. I saw coaches at the Pumpkin Patch. I saw coaches fishing, youth games. I mean, players need to regroup. Coaches need to regroup. The one thing I'll say come off a bye week and what Georgia is about to face, and it's kind of an overrated term, but there is some, some legs to it sometimes. If Georgia has been holding anything back at all, packages, personnel packages, blitzes, anything, you're going to see it this weekend, and you're going to see it the next four or five weeks. There's nothing. It's, no, it's not playtime anymore. This is, this is the season. This stretch right here will determine what Georgia – uh could potentially face in december and even in january so i think for me uh we've talked about it privately uh us three we've we we've looked forward to getting to this stretch because it's such a meaningful game every single week and this georgia florida game i think that you know there's a there's kind of i asked the board yesterday about the confidence in it and you know there's a strong confidence for georgia and i am picking georgia uh to win this game but man i've seen some crazy things happen down there and it's many many times it's uh so you got to go there. You got to get a W, no matter what it is, and you got to get on that plane healthy and find out. But I'm excited to see if Georgia has any new wrinkles, what what they might have been, you know, showing those type things. Because you have time to work on that during the bye week. So we'll see what Georgia brings to the table next week, and and uh, we'll go from there this week. Excuse me.
0: Answer a quick question before we go to a break: Is Jalen Carter healthy? um kirby gave us an update last night and it kind of went along with what he had told us last tuesday Uh, jalen carter as well as ad mitchell um we're not practicing with the team they were going through and rehabbing those injuries they're dealing with Uh, jalen dealing with an mcl sprain said he was hopeful to get him back but we've heard that uh, a lot with some of the different players uh, that have been banged up probably most notably ad mitchell so I think it's still up in the air. You know, we will talk to Kirby after uh, practice tonight, maybe get a better sense of where Jalen is. Um, but that's definitely going to be a key situation, uh, especially just really over these next five games, trying to get a guy of Jalen Carter's caliber back on the field. Well, on that, we will take a quick break, but we'll come back, talk a little bit about Jacksonville, sort of uh, the the storylines that are going around where this Georgia, Florida game is played and where it will be played going forward. Uh, but then also talk a little bit about the game, getting ready for Saturday. Welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. Uh, Coming back, want to talk about Jacksonville, uh, talk about what kind of one of the big storylines, what was talked about yesterday. Uh, So kind of set the scene. We were getting ready to go uh, to listen to Kirby and talk to the players. I got an email that was a joint statement between uh, Georgia and Florida. About the Jacksonville game, obviously that has been talked about a ton, and for several years at this point, about the future of the game, you know, will it continue to be a neutral site? The statement that was put out uh, said, the annual game between our two universities is an important tradition. At this time, both programs are focused on our current seasons. Typically, both schools begin conversations regarding future games in the series as the last contracted game nears. We anticipate following that timeline. When those discussions take place, we will consider a multitude of factors, including tradition, finances, future SEC scheduling models with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma, and what is best for both schools' football programs overall. Obviously, this statement and really the need for the statement kind of you know had a lot of people's ears perk up, uh, had a lot of interest about it. Um, I'll start with you, Kip, and then Rusty. Feel free to jump in. What do you think about the future of this series? Is this series eventually going to find its way, even if it's not every single season, but maybe seeing it played somewhere other than Jacksonville?
1: What's the money? I mean, what are the money details here? That's uh, always kind of been what that's about. Uh, I'm not trying to downplay the tradition of playing in Jacksonville. I mean, it's a rite of passage for middle Georgia, for people in South Georgia, It is part of their annual experience and what they like to experience as a fan, you know, getting that after summer vacation in the ability to go down to, you know, my my, uh, hometown in Brunswick, you know, Sea Island, St. Simon's Island, you know, to spend time there and then go to Jacksonville. So from the fans perspective, I mean, a large portion, they want to continue being able to do that. At the end of the day, it's going to be about, you know, it's going to be about the financials. is Jacksonville continuing to make this a lucrative deal for Georgia and Florida and their programs? Would that, would they offset that by just being home and home and then, you know, spreading that to the local economies? There are the, the things that are going on behind the scenes are a lot bigger than uh, whether or not fans get to go to, you know, St. Simon's Island again, or whether Kirby gets to host recruits. So I think the fact that Kirby's made it known, he wants to be able to host recruits at home. He wants that home game, uh, uh, Georgia, to have that home game. Cause he, you know, he's been, he spent plenty of time in Alabama. He's seen the value of not just the, the iron bowl, but when Alabama hosts LSU and they're the, the big game and every recruit in the country is wanting to go there and, and Georgia's, you know, playing Sanford uh, at home, you know, or, or, UAB, which we've talked about the value of those games, but at the end of the day, in the SEC schedule, you want those big-time matchups and the ability to have recruits on campus, but I don't think, as powerful as Kirby Smart is, and obviously you know, he's got a lot of brand equity right now coming off national championship, I still think that the people making the decisions are going to make that based on, on whether or not this game makes sense for them to continue staying in Jacksonville financially for both programs.
0: Rusty, your thoughts about the future of this series, and and what you expect to see once uh, a decision is made.
2: Sooner or later, it's coming out of Jacksonville, and it's kind of, it might be future scheduling could be the the ultimate deal. So whether Kirby Smart wants it home and home, obviously he's made his opinion. Uh, Jacksonville pays a lot of money to both of these schools, almost like a bolt, almost like a New Year's Day six game. What three million bucks or something like that. Uh, That's a lot. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. for These universities, I think the future scheduling when they go to the pods is going to affect that um, as much as anything. And you and you see the little snippet. They combined finances. The next thing they say is future SEC scheduling. So uh, sooner or later, I would love to see them play Athens, the Swamp, Jacksonville, Athens, Swamp, Jacksonville some way. You know, some people say Atlanta. Um, you know, but, but it's going to be, in my opinion, my opinion only at some point, this thing's going to be a home and home, uh, because of the pods and the expansion and those types of things. But, um, you know, it is such a great environment, um, to go down to. And, um, you know, it's so fun, especially the South middle of Georgia. I mean, it is, it is definitely, like Kip said, it is a, it's a fall break vacation. I got friends from Rome that left, left this morning. Uh, they're going to play golf all week and they're going down to St. Simons and, uh, that area, so Amelia Island area, but uh, sooner or later, this game is going to come out of there. I would love for see it have some shape to where they could rotate it into Jacksonville because I think that'd make it that much. You know, if you only went there every three years. You got that ticket would be pretty hot to do that. So uh, I just think with SEC sketch, it's going to be interesting. Texas, Oklahoma, does it come out of you know the Cotton Bowl? Uh, does, does Arkansas continue with Texas A&M in Dallas? Those types of things. So a lot of questions there. But for Georgia, Florida, in my opinion only, I think sooner or later that thing's going to be home and home.
0: I think you're right. And I think I kind of leaned to where you do, Rusty, as far as I think I want to see it home and home and maybe every third year play it in Jacksonville. and you see, know, just, see some tradition. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, I was really intrigued by – You know, we see this statement. It was before we got to talk to Chris Smith and Sets Bennett, so they were both asked about it. Chris Smith said he wanted to see probably, I think, kind of like what we were just saying—a home and home—and then occasionally go to Jacksonville because you know he talked about you know he would have liked to have a chance to go play in the swamp. And and, you know, I'll say too, you know, I've never been there, obviously, because every time I've been to a Georgia game, it's been in Jacksonville. But I've had other beat writers talk about you know, hey, where's the loud? What's the loudest stadium you've ever heard? You know, and and uh, it's Florida is the one that I've heard probably the most from the group of people that I've talked to. And it would be really fun to experience that. And then obviously the <laughs> vice versa with the game coming to Sanford Stadium as well. But, you know, I was really struck, you know, the, Kirby's talked about this a bunch, has been asked about this a bunch. Um, but you think about, you know, by the time he had gotten to Alabama, you know, the Iron Bowl had been played. Uh, on campus for quite a while. But think about that game being played in Birmingham for as long as it was. And I know that was breaking tradition. I'm sure that there were a lot of fans, particularly probably on the Alabama side, that were upset to see it leave. But I think, you know, if you ask fans of the Auburn-Alabama rivalry today, are you glad that this rivalry has gone on campus? I think most of them would say, yeah. You know, I'm sure the, the fans around Birmingham probably don't feel quite as strongly, but I would imagine most fans would say, "Yeah, we're glad this game is back on campus."
1: I would agree with that, and plus, I mean, uh, these are new—the new tradition. They might like it even more. The yeah. this, like you said, the chance to go watch a game in the swamp, but then also the chance to the host Florida, and uh, you know, potentially have them leaving the game early, watch them leaving Athens early for for Georgia fans could be, you know. Something they'd never experienced in their lifetime, and a new tradition could be born out of that. And at the same time, if the games in Gainesville, it's a longer trek, but you, you can still you can still make that trip from St. Simon's Island if, if 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 you really want to. So you know, it's it's kind of uh, adjusting the tradition a little bit, but you, you could still have that same you know a similar experience every year, and then get to add a new one, a new a potentially new tradition in there as well. So I agree with Rusty. I think it's gonna end up going that way. And I think the rival would be better for it.
0: It'd be interesting to see. I made sure to pull the junkyard dog cast uh the junkyard board I should say. Forty percent of people said they wanted to see that home and home that we've been talking about. And it was pretty funny looking on Twitter. I tweeted off the Dog C47 Twitter account and 40% there said they want to see it home and home. That was by far the highest vote getter in both. So it'll obviously be something to follow and we will see um, because that's still going to be a few years down the road. If I'm not mistaken, they've still got an option for the next couple years. Uh, yeah. So it may be a, a little bit before this move gets made. Um, so we will have the preview podcast later on. I think that'll be on Thursday. We're going to record, but I want to make sure we talk a little bit about this Florida game. You know, they're coming in, uh, Georgia's actually, I think, a 22-and-a-half-point favorite, but I think Rusty mentioned this earlier. We see a lot of weird things happen in Jacksonville many times where Georgia comes down and is the big underdog and has pulled an upset and vice versa. I'll start with you, Kip. What uh, are your thoughts just about this matchup? Anything of, of particular um, interest to you? What stands out as far as what you're going to be watching for on Saturday?
1: It kind of reminds me of the Orange Bowl, kind of the Michigan matchup. In that. What Florida does well is, I mean, they, they run the football. They, they lead the country in yards per carry, 6.36. And obviously, Anthony Richardson is a large part of that. Um, but their offensive line has also done a really good job protecting him as well. Um, so, again, for, for Georgia, that matchup, it's actually a pretty good matchup. Uh, teams don't run very well in Georgia. They tend to make opposing offenses pretty one-dimensional. So you have to be really, really good at passing the ball, and so I think for Florida, they got to win on first and second down offensively, you know, and and if they can get themselves in a manageable third downs, they have a chance in this football game. But I think right now for for Georgia, you kind of go into this thinking you got some advantages you'll be able to take advantage of, and I think you kind of look and see it what happened with Auburn and what they did with, with Robbie Ashford. And you kind of think Ford is probably going to try to do something pretty similar like that. So uh, I, I think there are some matchups to be worried about if you're Georgia, but overall talent level and this overall, if you, you look at, uh, you know, Ford defensively, uh, I think this should be a, another game where, where Georgia is able to do kind of whatever it wants offensively that they have not been able to stop anyone. Um, and I I think for for Georgia, you take advantage of that you continue to have Stetson playing smart with the football, and you know taking care of that football, no turnovers. And I think Georgia should be in pretty good shape in this game.
0: How about you, Rusty? What stands out, or the things you're really interested in seeing in this game Saturday?
2: Get pretty summed that up pretty good there. You know, Georgia should be able. What they do well is some of the things that Florida has problems with now. I set that stadium in 1997 when Georgia was, I think, a 20-point underdog. And they had a turnover early in the game. Uh, they scored twice, got some momentum. and next thing you know, you had a game, and Georgia goes on to win that thing. Uh, with a couple of turnovers, it kept you know, the, Georgia in that. I uh, specifically remember sitting on the same row with Champ Bailey's family, and his mom was talking to someone beside me. She wasn't talking to me. She was talking to someone beside me and said, if they keep trying him, he's going to get one. And sure enough, Doug Johnson tried Champ Bailey, and Champ Bailey got one. So uh, when Mom says, "Don't mess with Champ Bailey," don't mess with Champ Bailey because he got one soon after that. Uh, but uh, you know the um, the game for me is to kind of seize momentum, uh, not let Florida hang around this thing for four quarters because anything can happen there. Uh, and and physicality, you know, you you we don't have to touch on it. You heard the the speech that Kirby Smart gave last year that kind of leaked, and you can hear in his voice you know, what he feels about this, this rivalry, you know, and uh, he, he has made it known that he was, he's not a Florida guy ever at any point in his high school career that he, was he a Florida Gator guy? So uh, he's going to have this team ready to play. I think, I think they're going to have a focus, not worried about them, you know, looking forward to next week. I think you got to go in there, do what you do well and kind of take control of this game. And, and I think physicality probably uh, will be preached a lot this week. I know, uh, you know, you take the other side of the ball, and whatever you feel about Brenton Cox, you know he kept tweeting all summer about Georgia and couldn't wait to play Georgia. You know he's going to be sky high, so you got to keep your composure there. But look forward to that matchup of Warren McClendon and Amarius Mim versus Brenton Cox. Talking about some NFL tape on those guys, we'll see what uh, we'll see what Brent can do against those two guys.
0: You mentioned uh, Kirby and and what this rivalry means. I was struck yesterday. Uh, someone asked Chris Smith, "Hey, when you first got in here." Did some of the older DBs, you know, talk to you about this rivalry? And he was like, it's mainly Coach Smart. Coach Smart's really the one who kind of lets you know what this rivalry means. It's like, that's all you really need to know is that the head coach, you know, he understands what this rivalry means.
2: He's been on the other side a couple – he's been on the side of some L's now. Yeah, they, talking about playing in Sanford Stadium. He, he was there when that – they dropped 52. About uh, You know, they dropped 52 to – 17 i think in 1995 and about four hours later the Braves won the world series so people were climbing in the streets in athens nobody worried about giving up 52 to the gators uh that day but he's been on the other side of some l's for sure so he understands this rivalry and what it means if you were to get on that plane uh, with
1: a loss coming back from there he this is one of those opponents where he wants to break their will i mean yeah. there may or may not be audio out there of kirby smart talking about this opponent in the past But this is one of those where he wants his players to come out with composure and play discipline, but also, you know, he wants them to impose their will on this opponent and let them know early who the better team is and then make them take it the rest of the game, you know, basically against their will on the football team. He wants Georgia to come out and be physical against these guys. And you look at the Missouri game, it's really all about turnovers and settling for field goals. Uh Georgia's tied for the least number of turnovers in the SEC, but you remember that Missouri game. You know They had a couple costly turnovers that made that a closer game that should have, and they settled for field goals on drives uh, in the red zone. And Those are the, t- the two aspects. If Georgia covers in this game, whether it's 21, 22, 23, uh, those are the two key points right there. It's really Georgia has to control those aspects, and, and they should be able to, to, you know, to come away with, with a win and, and prepare for another big game.
0: Before we get out of here, I'm going to throw in another men's basketball minute. Had a chance to go to Birmingham last week for SEC Men's Basketball Media Day. Talked to Mike White, talked to Kerry O'Quindo, talked to Braylon Bridges, and was really intrigued just kind of hearing uh, their perspective. Uh, The biggest thing I took away from our conversation with those three, George is going to play defense. And that's a pretty substantial change from really the entire Tom Crean era. You know, that was a situation where they really – Struggled, particularly in that very last season, Um, was very, very bad on defense. But that's something Mike White has come in and preached. I think if you're a Georgia men's basketball fan, you should be very excited about hearing that. Um, You know, I think that this is going to be a very interesting team. I, I put this in a story last week. I've got them 11th in the SEC. I know that some fans may be like, oh, whoa. But they finished last last year. They only won one SEC game very intrigued to see just how competitive this group is. And to me, I've written about this as well. Matthew Alexander Moncrief to me is going to be the guy that is going to determine whether this team is just sort of also ran or a team that you look at and go, okay, this, this team might have a chance to at least be exciting to at least be a fun team to watch. Um, he's a guy that I think he's probably going to play that four. He was a big recruit out of Canada that Oklahoma State signed when Eric Pastrana, one of the assistant coaches, was, was there. So to me, they've got some very interesting pieces. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all comes together. They've got a scrimmage on November 1st against Georgia College. That'll kind of be the first chance everybody gets to watch them. Uh, but going to be a very interesting first season for Mike White and and really intrigued. You know, They were predicted to finish 13th, only ahead of South Carolina. Um, but a lot of moving pieces throughout the whole SEC, and it's going to be very interesting to follow this team and just see what they're able to do. Well, on that note, we are going to get out of here. Appreciate everybody for watching, everybody listening. Everybody watching live on Facebook and YouTube, or if you're checking this out after the fact, we appreciate your support.
2: George, sure- can you give our schedule for the next about uh, week and a half?
0: Yeah, so we are going to go on Thursday at noon. I'm going to be with the Swamp 247 crew, have a chance to preview the Florida-Georgia game. On Monday, I Georgia, think we're going to
2: – Georgia-Florida game. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, uh, right, right. I, I already got jumped on uh, Twitter for that. So, I got to – you know, I'm just a big fan of that band, Rusty. I just can't help it. Uh, but, uh, you know, and then on Monday, uh, we're going to probably go for around nine or ten, I would imagine. I don't think we've nailed down a time. But we're going to do a recruiting podcast with Georgia and Tennessee coming up that big matchup. Uh, then we'll also record on Tuesday, and then probably either Wednesday or Thursday, we'll get the Vols 247 crew uh, to preview the game. So looking for three podcasts next week, and we appreciate everybody. That I'm sure is going to be along for the ride. Really interested to see that that Monday podcast. There will be some good content because this is going to be one of the biggest games uh, in Sanford Stadium in quite some time. and It's going to be a very exciting week of content and excited to uh, get to it and see what that looks like. All right, well, we will wrap it up there. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. Until next time, take care.